podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Spark innovation across your federal agency with IT hardware, software, and services from Connection Public Sector Solutions. Your technology procurement challenges will meet their match as Connection's dedicated account managers offer exceptional customer service and our extensive list of supported federal contracts means you'll always get a price that works for your budget. Learn more about innovation for your agency with Connection Public Sector Solutions at connection.com slash fedcontracts. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. It's Monday night. There are some people on the Astro Park. They think it's all over. They're wrong, of course. It's only just begun. And we are the Day Trippers. On tonight's show, we have a special interview with former Ireland manager Brian Kerr about his thoughts on the Merseyside Derby, Brendan Rodgers' performance so far, bringing youth players through, and whether or not media pressure can consciously or subconsciously affect you as you set up your team. We're joined by resident guest tripper James Owen to discuss the fallout of the Merseyside Derby and what's going to happen versus Hull at the weekend. We also round up our show, as ever, with your questions, but first up, it's the all-time eleven. So we're starting to put the finishing touches to our team now, with goalkeepers, defence and midfield all selected. So tonight we begin on the attack, and we choose our first forward. Um, the number 10, the uh, the reserved, or, 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 or man in behind in the hole, the, 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 the smaller man and the big man, little man combination. You know the deal, you know what I'm trying to say here. Who is the guy the that you're picking? The reserved, what, what's the reserve? <laughs> Tell me what the reserved is. Do you, you, do what happened there, just for listeners, what happened, there, reserve. What happened there was, I, I had, like Ron Burgundy, I had to go off script because he took my fucking script out. And I can't do that. I can't operate. Number 10 or the reserve. Just, just, please, just go away and leave me alone. Anyway, let's go back to that. What I want you to do is pick one person from your forward combination. Ideally, it would be the support striker or the number 10 type. Who will you go for, Steve Daly? I don't know. Uh, my one was, was set with... Uh, Two main strikers, um, but I, I think if we're going with a with a ten and a main striker, I'm probably going to have to change it around a little bit. I think I'm going to have to go. Um, I think Luis Suarez. Um, it was very very close for me. I had I probably had four strikers in there. There was there was Fowler, there was Rush, there was uh, Torres and Suarez. They're the they're the four. Um, and I think unfortunately, in a sense, if if Torres had stayed maybe another season or two, he really would have been at that. Fowler and Rush level of just such an idol um, and, and such a goal scoring machine mm. but he had started to wane a little bit in his last season with us be it not being arsed being there anymore or whatever it was so I have, I've had to sort of chop him from it mm. um, and if we're going with that 
the formation of somebody that's going to drop, pick up the ball and want to do something, it leaves me with a straight choice between Russian Fowler, which I'll decide on for next week, yeah. and uh, and Suarez playing I, with I, him. I kind of knew this was going to happen because we're going to have to talk about combinations and stuff like that. But yeah. again, if we can just focus on, on, on maybe just one person. So you're going to go with one of your three is... Yeah, is, 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 is Suarez. Suarez, yeah. Yeah. okay. Andy? Um, yeah, as you know, I went with an awkward formation. I had three at the back and a four in midfield. Didn't get to tell you what my two midfield uh, partnership was. Tell us now. Uh, Moby and Gerard, uh, Moby just ahead of Alonso just because he was there longer, 12 years at the club, so Moby gets the, the show. I'd, I'd, I would have loved him to see Moby when, if he was skinny. Uh, how can you be that good at football and be that fucking fat? Unbelievable. <laughs> um, I've been doing it for years, Andy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and you're still shy. <laughs> Someone goes up for the head of you, they're getting sponsored for climbing and hunting. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, the top man, not really a number 10, but he's in behind the two strikers, and it's uh, the famous number 7, Kenny Daglish. Um, no-brainer, absolutely no-brainer. The, the player had it had it all and uh, achieved a, a very unique thing in winning a double as a player-manager. Um, so, Kenny Daglish. You old enough to have seen him, Andy? Uh, yeah. Oh, and I was brought up watching fucking fair play. Tell me you look young. Brought up watching cheeky, cheeky looking young. Brought up watching videos of him as well. So um, absolutely, Kenny. Okay, James. Uh, right. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, in um, in all time terms, I'd probably go with Dog Leash. Uh, if, I don't know whether it's a case of just is it kind of players we've we've seen and watched in our time watching. Yeah, that seems to be the way it's panning out, yeah. James. Is somebody somebody you've watched? Yeah. In that case, then I probably shouldn't really have said John Barnes last week because he was kind of very much you know fading. Uh, but, yeah. but as for, I, I would go with Gerard. Um, I'd go with Gerard in that position because I'd probably have Torres ahead of him and then Suarez on one flat. But yeah, that would probably be Gerard. Yeah. Steve Gerard, very nice, Phil. Yeah, um, I've had a long think over this because, like, I've been fortunate to see Peter Birdsey play for us as well um, in in that 89 team. And that, as I said before, that was, that was my real introduction to, to the Liverpool team and and, and that great Liverpool teams. Um, you've got Gerard as well. I struggle to I, be honest with you with the eleven I've picked. I'm struggling to put Gerard in, and some people think I'm mad. But for me, think. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, genuinely, I'm, I'm, I'm putting players into the, into the positions I feel that they've done best, and it's, it, it boils down to who do I want? To, like, do I want? Uh, I'm, if I'm going to leave out one, is it Gerard or Suarez? Uh, like for me, in terms of who I'm going to play, and that's that is near impossible to to, to decide which one you want to leave out. So potentially, I couldn't even need them out. But for the ten, for that sort of hovering nine and a half support strikery, <laughs> did you say nine and a half? Yeah, yeah. Brendan says it's not good. All right, Brendan. All right, Breno. Yeah, I, I, I'm going with Suarez. That's a mental right. decision. So no Suarez. Gerard in your all-time eleven. Still have a pick left, don't I? Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna tell us that Gerard's the all-time number nine for Liverpool, <laughs> are you? <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I yeah. can't believe you've left Gerard out of that team. I don't mind. Like uh, seriously, uh, but listen, Suarez is only at the club two and a half years. So what? How can you possibly say he's done more in that two and a half years? But it's he, it's, not, it's about your all-time favorite team, your all-time favorite eleven, the, t- the players that you loved watching to play, that you want that every time you turn on the television to watch Liverpool play. That's the players that you wanted to watch. But you said that's because you hate Gerard. But what I'm I saying is, <laughs> I don't. I don't hate Gerard. I, 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 I don't. But just a second ago, you said in that position. You just said in that position. 
position, I have to think who played best in that position. I don't think any of us have seen Suarez play enough in that position, in that number 10, to, to warrant being in the all-time best 11. But he's not really playing as a number 10. Then why, he's, is he's he, why are you that, picking him as a fucking he's, number he's, 10? He's playing in that sort of driftery <laughs> central bit. Driftery? Yeah. You're just listen, waffling listen, this listen, out. Far, far be it for me to come in and decide to <laughs> Phil Casey, but did you not pick him as a 10? No, I picked him as a ten because Jared's already in my side. He's already in your side. He hasn't, he hasn't been sent to midfield. I had, I had, uh, I, I didn't have him. I unlike people, and had, unlike oh. other people, I, this team doesn't actually have to go out and play a match. This is exactly so, why I'm so, saying. This so exactly playing Jared saying. in centre midfield, I'm not worried about him maybe yeah. losing his man. I'm just picking the no, fact because that's irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> he looks good out there, so yeah. that's it. Yeah. He's going to be in the all-time eleven every I, time. I'm, I'm looking at my tree behind behind the centre forward being McManaman, Suarez, and Barnes, and that to me is just like that's watching sexual football. Yeah, and a defensive shield that you could. Absolutely what do you need a defensive stuff. shield for when they're three, when you've got Mascarano and Moby sitting there in front of you? Absolutely, because they're probably playing a shit team anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for me, it's Kenny, and it Kenny. I might as well blow the whole lot now. Kenny's going to be behind Rushy and Fowler, so get that up. Yeah. Well, we're going to start off with a simple question: Could you give us your thoughts on the Merseyside derby just the weekend past? Well, I didn't actually see it because I was I was commentating at the Arsenal Southampton match, and I only saw bits and pieces of the game while it was on live, and, and afterwards I saw the highlights. So it appeared to be a, a very special game from all reports, um, and you know it's entirely surprising given the managers and since Martinez has come in, Roberto Martinez come into um, Everton, he's changed his style a little bit, more of a passing, more retention style of game. Obviously Brendan Rodgers has been going the same way for for the last year and a half. So it uh, you know, it seemed to be very much tip for top and goal for goal and with a with a with a fascinating finish and storage coming on and getting such a great goal. Tarko's goal was amazing goal, amazing head off typical of them. Um, but um you know, it, it, it leaves both clubs in a situation where they're their uh, reputations are are um, are still high and do didn't do damage to either club. I'd say they were both uh, happy enough to get a point out of it in the circumstances. Both thinking that they should have won the game um, at, at, one, at some stage of the match, and then coming out of it saying, "Well, look, we we, we have to settle for a point," but and no no great damage done to their to their. Um, chances for the rest of the season Absolutely Brian and you mentioned there the two young managers what would be your thoughts on how Brendan Rodgers has progressed thus far with Liverpool? Well I, I think it's taken them time they had a very mixed season as I said last year there was not a lot of I would have said he, he had at times I know you can be forced into it but at times he had too much to say about um, how he was going about things and um, how they should be doing things and stuff. I thought he needed to get on with it, you know. And uh, I think this year, I think they were embroiled as far as uh, controversies for too long, and they didn't handle them. Didn't handle them well, obviously. And they, I think, so eventually saw the error of the ways. But they stuck to the guns uh, on the Swayze thing in the summer where he had asked for a transfer and he was hoping to go to Arsenal. And uh, they've, you know, they've now got the benefits of that stubbornness by not allowing him go and letting Sturridge play in the team. Uh, He was a good signing for them, I think, Sturridge. 
I know that partnership is working very, very well for them. Um, and you'd have to say overall, Rodgers is doing doing a, a very good job. I think he's getting he's getting the best from he's getting the best from a lot of players. He's had you know injured. I'm still not so sure about some of the signings in there. He paid a lot of money for the Spanish lad up front. Aspas, and I don't see I haven't seen an awful lot of him yet. Um, some of the defenders will remain to be seen. So uh, it's done it's done okay. Although he's left out at the weekend. But, you know, I'm not sure. Joe Allen, he spent an awful lot of money on Joe Allen. And he's played little football um, until recent weeks again. I know he's been out injured. But, um, you know, the quality of the signings, apart from storage, I don't think have been sensational. But overall, I'd say, yeah, he's doing well. Thanks a lot. The, the, your, your idea is basically, we're, we're, as, as a very successful uh, youth manager, um, I'm wondering how difficult is it to bring young players through? Liverpool, for example, have this acclaimed academy, but they still seem to struggle bringing their young players through. As someone who's had such a tremendous success yourself, what do you see as the barriers for young kids when they're trying to make the step up to being just as equally talented first-team players? Well, the biggest barrier is the philosophy of the club. And the second, the second biggest obstacle is the the lust for success, uh, for short term um, fixes to problems that are enclosed by both chairman boards and uh, and and then the supporters themselves. There's very little patience in the modern game at a higher level now, and there's very few clubs uh, or managers who are brave enough to throw young players into the teams. So they're not getting the opportunity because uh, the fixes that most clubs go for is to buy experienced players, mostly from abroad now, and put them into the team. A lot of players from, as you know, from the French league in particular, and uh, but all the clubs are scouting worldwide now, and it's not. There's no very little opportunity for young players. You, you cannot, you cannot improve unless you play. You've got to play. To, to improve and you can't learn the game just by playing in the you know, football in the 21 leagues you've got to play in the first team and that's the biggest problem they have because of the the, the amount of money involved in finishing higher up the league and qualifying for European competitions and the trouble the clubs are in trying to pay the extravagant wages they are trying to pay they are not prepared to trust down young players and give them a goal. So Liverpool is the same as everyone else. They don't bring players through. And then they, last week they let Frankie McFarland go. They had the academy years. The next one walked in recent years in identifying some of the young players that they that they have put into the team who have been signed from other English clubs for small fees. But they decided to scare him and one or two other staff last week as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, are there any talents that stand out for you from that Liverpool academy that have come through in recent years? I know a lot of them, as you say, have not been able to make it in, in, in our first team and probably have, have gone on to have decent careers at different levels. Is there anyone coming through now that you, you, you think has a real chance? No, I wouldn't really be. I wouldn't. To be honest, I'm not that close. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not watching... Um, well, the age football, you know, I don't have the opportunity now to go to the underage academy matches. Most of, most of what I see now is, you know, League of Ireland, Premier League, international football, the European midweek football. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not on top of the system. I don't, I don't need to be going to underage matches anymore. I have no 
direct involvement in that. So it's not an area where it would be, you know, completely unfair at the moment. But I know there's a frustration level among coaches and among uh, clubs and parents about the lack of opportunities given to players when they do sign for the top clubs. Absolutely. Uh, we're just going to change tack a little bit and uh, I've just got to ask you a question about uh, Martin O'Neill and, and, and Roy Keane and just a question about the media then and, 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 and the effect that they can have on, on managers and, and Albios. Is that okay? Yeah. Perfect. Thanks a lot. Okay, uh, just moving slightly away then from Liverpool for a moment, uh, uh, Brian, could you maybe tell us what you think of the, the current Irish setup, the new, the new, the new man in charge, uh, Martin O'Neill, Roy Keane. What's your, what's your take on that? Well, my take on it would be that uh, I think uh, both of them are very passionate, and uh, all the other things that people have said about them since they got into the job. I think, uh, and I'm not sure how the pairing's going to work out. They've had a nice, gentle start with the two games they've had. Handy winners on for Latvia, who are one of the poorest sides I've been in Dublin for a while. And um, the, the more awkward match and um, much more like a, an international match in Poland last Tuesday where I stopped out a good draw. To be honest, I think that irrespective of who the manager of the, of the Irish team is, we're going to be in contention anyhow um, to qualify. We usually are. We're usually not too far away irrespective of that manager has been going back to Owen Hans' time. Um, we're, we're usually in a point or two or three of qualification or playoff situation. And so that's going up to 20, 24 teams to qualify for next European Championships. I, I think we will be in there. We'll be in for probably the situation of second and third. And then, um, you know, I think that what we find is this management team will be much more diligent than the last. They'll do the job as the way it's supposed to be done, where they will take on the responsibility of going and evaluating the players themselves, of staying in touch with clubs, of taking an interest in Irish football, of having an interest in what's happening underneath at the underage levels. And that will give them, we give them respect, we bring back a bit of enthusiasm among people that love Irish football and we give us a chance to have a more, more success in the future. That would be my view of it. Well, as you say, that would be a very, very welcome change of a turn of events indeed. Um, do you think, say, down the line, if things aren't necessarily going that well for them, is there a situation where just managers in general can get influenced by constant media pressure that maybe consciously, maybe subconsciously, it affects how they, they, they set up their team selections they make? No, I wouldn't agree with that. You know, and they also have the advantage. They won't be living in Ireland. They won't be affected, though, by what the media are saying. They're two very experienced uh, people, Roy, not somewhat long on the management side of it, but Martin O'Neill certainly so. I mean, we, you can't afford to be affected by the media and what they think. I mean, you know, I used to always say when, when people wanted to give me opinions about who they thought should play in the team or otherwise, I used to say, well, if you go to as many matches as I do and see as many training sessions as I do, well, then you can start telling me your opinion who should play. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, it's just an, un, an uninformed opinion, and you, when you're entitled to it, I don't really have to listen to it, and that's how they'll be. They won't be interested in what the media are, are saying. They're, they're, they, they, uh, 
a bit longer, longer in the tilt for that stuff, and they, they can't, they won't be swayed by media opinions on the on the qualities of players or tactics or otherwise. Uh, Brian, yeah, it's Stephen here. Um, can I just ask you a quick question, and and you can then decide at the end of it whether you want to leave it in or not. You just you you touched on the academy there, um, and Frank McPartland and stuff like that. From your point of view, obviously with the amount of success you had um, with the underage teams of Ireland, and I think, to be fair, you're, you're probably unfairly um, not viewed as a success uh, or, or as big a success as you probably were as the Ireland manager. I think you were unfairly, um, you know, sort of, you weren't given the chance that you deserved for another qualification campaign, in my, in my opinion. But has the, a job at a premiership academy as the, as the head of an academy or, you know, you did, you know, you did, you had some great results with the Pharaohs as well when you were with them. You know, is is uh, another international job on the horizon, or are you just enjoying having the break and just watching a bit of footy? Oh, no, I'd, I'd be um, I, I'd be happy to go back in to management and to, to go back into to football on a full time basis if a uh, appropriate job arose for me. The, 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 the reality of it is, I haven't been offered anything. Um, in, uh, along the lines of what you've said in relation to academies at, at, at the, the premiership clubs and um, neither have I been offered anything in, in the international field that's uh, you know been exciting or but I, I, you know, I wouldn't rule it out if something you know if, if, if something come up that I was interested in I'd certainly be I, I would like to get back into that but you know there's thousands of people and thousands of coaches who are and are not um, doing it precisely what either maybe they're qualified for or what they'd like to do, and yeah. you, you know, and that's the case. You must, you, 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 you kind of go and and, and you watch what's there at the time. Well, you do what you're doing. Yeah. And at the moment, my, you know, at the moment, I'm getting the opportunity to work in the media with, with, with various broadcasters. Yeah. And I'm enjoying doing it. I'm doing the best I can. And that's the way I've got to be on, on, until something else comes up, or, uh, if ever. So you don't know what's going to occur or what's going to come up for you in football. But at this stage, you know, I'm probably be over optimistic that there's going to be um, they're going to get a job offer that will that that could be in football. Well, hopefully it will come fairly soon for you, Brian, because I think uh, it's a waste of talent if somebody's not picking you up and, and using all the, the knowledge and the, and the skills that you have over the over the years and <clears throat> excuse me, what you've shown in that time as well. So, Brilliant. Listen, it's an absolute honour to have your, your take on things, Brian. Really, really appreciate your contribution to set today. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. OK. Um, right. Uh, let's move along, if we could, to our review of the Derby. Um, it was a batshit crazy football match. Left us feeling uh, a little bit confused. Was it two points lost? Was it a point gained? Look, we're not short of talking points, so let's get it rolling by talking about, uh, I suppose, as we usually try to do, as I usually try to do, the better things uh, to emerge from the, from the match. Um, Flano, Mignolet, uh, Danny Sturridge. Um, Andy, what did you think worked well? What are the positives? Um, yeah, Flanagan, you've mentioned himself, Flanagan and uh, Mingale uh, restored a bit of faith uh, of mine and him there that game. That, that was his best performance, despite conceding three goals. Nothing he could do about any of them. But uh, he was brilliant and one on one, absolutely class, top class. Uh, Flanagan, everybody, absolutely everybody was planking it over Flanagan and how he played left full. He, he had the performance of a lifetime. And I mean, I certainly remember that derby as. That fl- the Flanagan game because mm. he, w- he was brilliant fair play to the lad um, and like I'll hold my hand up I had a go at it 
a go at the team. I was actually quite happy with the setup. Uh, I know a lot's come out since about um, uh, Roger saying that he's he's left storage out because he doesn't feel he's fit. But I think there was a I think there was a bit more to it than that. I think he he picked a formation that he felt would suit the game best, and uh, I actually think there was very little wrong with the formation, and I won't hold Rogers accountable for the setup in the in the derby like I did against say Arsenal. It was just uh, a couple of really poor underperformers. But um, Flanagan is a standout positive for me. Thanks, Andy. Um, James, can I bring you in here? What were what were the things that um, stood out for you as good? I certainly very much agree on those two points. Um, you know, Mignolet, I think, is obviously... I mean, first of all, since, since Mignolet's come in, it's been nice to have a goalkeeper who actually kind of saves a lot of things. <laughs> because, you know, Rainer for three years didn't. Um, and I think we've all been impressed um, by, by Mignolet's shot stopping. But, I mean, Saturday... Looking at the way he played Saturday, unless he just, unless he just played out of his skin with the one on ones, um, I, th- I actually think he might be um, a, a better shot stopper than, than Rainer was even at his best. You know, you think of Rainer mm-hmm. between sort of two, tw- you know two thousand and eight and twenty ten. Yeah, uh, I think Minilay is actually a better shot stopper than that. The only time I can ever remember seeing Rainer get anywhere near that level for one versus ones in a game was we uh, we conceded three that day actually as well we, we was the, when Mascarona got sent off at Old Trafford he made a lot of good one, one-on-one saves but he also uh, he, he, he sort of wobbled at crosses on that day a lot and I mean to be fair in Rafa's team he didn't really get exposed in that way as much as Minilay did um, but no I think Minilay is a shot stopper I think it's probably better than Rainer's ever been uh, which is saying something because Rainer at his best was very very good mm. Flanagan um I, I went fucking berserk when Flanagan appeared in the team, like a lot of people did. <laughs> to be fair, I think a lot did, yeah. Well, yeah, um, but I think um, Flanagan's really a really, really interesting kind of a, almost a case study, if you like. I think I, I think he will always be limited um, by a lack of pace and just a lack of ability in the opposition half in terms of his Liverpool career, but. You go back to people. People went way overboard about him when he came into the team under Kenny towards the end of 2010-11. You know, he came in and as an 18-year-old, he did well. But even then, he looked like he'd always be a limited player. But I think the thing with him was he picked up loads of bookings, and just at that time, the thing he got was aggression. It just made him look like a liability. Saturday, um, he just looks like he's come on leaps and bounds defensively. You know, in terms of his just intelligence and his uh, his position, and he uses his aggression really effectively. I mean, there was there was one challenge where he just sort of stepped in in front of it might have been Morales it was either Morales or Coleman on that the Everton right and he just he's kind of stepped in and just shielded the ball from him and then just played it um, his interceptions you know as I said the shielding uh, and all of that kind of thing they just really suggest he, he's come on massively defensively I mean the funny thing with Flanagan he's always been he's always had quite a reliable touch and he's always been a very neat passer and you saw a lot of that again on Saturday I mean it was a game that suited him because we led for sort of 56 minutes we, and we were away from home we didn't need a lot from him in the opposition half um but it was also a difficult one for him because you know Morales is very quick and very direct, and he did struggle with that once or twice. And I think that lack of pace will always be a limitation for him, and it's a shame in a way because you know it doesn't. We're not really the kind of team where you can get away with that. And I think it, there was a good point made on the Anfield Rap today, which obviously listen to that, but you know listen to us first. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you've not listened to it already, where they said you know it's, it's a shame really, he kind of falls between two stools because he's not really got the. The, the opposition half ability or the pace to be a, a, a fullback in a team like ours twenty years ago when the game was different that would have been a, might have been a different story you know you think of people like Gary Ablett but if he was sort of four or five inches taller he could be in the Carrigan mould as a centre back but um, no I think he did extremely well yeah he was I mean and to be honest on a day when the defence as a whole and the midfield in, in a certain way were quite poor 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, Steve, can I bring you in? Is there anything different that you you could pick out, or are you just gonna maybe echo? Um, I, I would, yeah, I would echo in the sense that I was one of those people going absolutely mental before the game, thinking, "How have we picked him and put him in?" Um, you know, at left full, uh, really had a problem with that. But I tell you, one one of the things I actually felt for fifty minutes that Lucas had a very very good game. The way I, I was watching it, and and. Him and Alan were really positive for the first 50, 55 minutes of the game. Um, and I'll be honest, the, 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 not just the miss in the sense of not putting us 3-1 up changed the game, but the way Alan was playing changed after that miss. It's, his head went. You know, his head went, and uh, clearly for 15 minutes after that, he just spent his time thinking, how the fuck did I miss that? Uh, the same way everybody would if they were in that position. He opened up his body perfectly. He sent uh, he sent Howard the wrong way to think that he was going to square it to Suarez. And he, you know, everything, it just, he just passed that perfectly wide. <laughs> you know what I mean by that? And, and um, you know, he has to keep on running over that. He, his head went, I don't know whether his legs went or not, but I felt that um, that was definitely a positive. I liked to see that, and I would love we were talking about it here before I think against maybe a lesser team maybe even Hull at the weekend and we'll come to that I think I'd like to see Joe Allen left in there again I don't think we need Lucas I think we could utilise Henderson in there with, with Joe Allen and uh, and maybe like to see Stevie I, I really liked what Stevie was doing in the first 50 minutes of the game yet again pushed on that little bit not having to worry about who's running past him because he knew he had to cover the two lads behind him as soon as he was brought in then Changed again, you know what I mean. We we saw people coasting through the middle with Lucas and, and Gerard there again, and I'm not putting the blame on them, but you know that was definitely a positive for me and and Flano and, and Mignolet as well. They they were very very positive as well. Excellent, um, Phil. Any different ideas? Yeah, um, in, in, I was going to echo what, what Stephen said around Alan and Lucas. I actually thought we, we midfield wise we we had a, a fairly solid base like given that Everton have been such uh, have been commended for their ability to retain possession and to dominate midfields and dominate games even even against the likes of City and, and Chelsea in the games they played this season for us to for 50-55 minutes we, we nullified the, 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 the much lauded Everton midfield and actually looked a very very strong unit as mm. such which we haven't looked all season there was a real sense of a partnership between Lucas and Allen and and even Lucas's stupid fouls don't appear until you say after after the Allen bit happens, and even when Allen then goes off the pitch, they, they start to creep back in again. But for me, I know Suarez is just deadly to watch, and like for the whole game, he like they were kicking him all over the shop, and he was jumping up, and he just get on with it, and then. He's just such a live wire, and like, we're talking about positives. But every time you watch this guy play, it's just electric to watch it. You, you can't, you can't but love watching Luis Suarez play because there's always that sense that he's going to do something. Like when Morales is kicking him, right? Yeah. When Morales goes through the back from, I'm waiting for, and then then he goes tr- over the top from. Like I'm genuinely waiting for him. The, the switch could go here. Is he going to get up and kill him? And he could take an advertising horn and smack him across the head. WWF <laughs> like style. Yeah. <laughs> you, you just don't know what's going to happen. He could go over and pull a chair out and smack him across the head. Or you're going, what's he going to do next? But then, then he like the free kick. It's 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 the sublime with the madness with everything carved in. That was a fucking blinder of a free fairness, kick. Yeah. No, I, th- I think you're right. The the, goal, the the free kick was wonderful. Yeah. See the way it went outside the wall and came back in. Like when when they showed it from right behind, it went out, ba- back and to the left, back and to the left. What's that yeah. from? What's that from? Back and to the left. Was yeah. it that cha cha slide song? No, it's JFK. Slide to the left. Yeah. Slide oh, to the right. You're, James, yeah. what did you think of the free kick? 
Yeah, I thought it was fucking magic. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> In a fucking nutshell, sir. Yeah, you if uh, Mike Lowe was sort of criticising the wall, there's a couple wrong the wall. You know, it was just a really, really well, really well executed kick. I mean, it was, you know, just precision. I think they were they were maybe slagging the wall a little bit because they don't know what Pienaar is doing there. He's, he's no, I, 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 no I, I know what Pienaar was doing. They were expecting, if, if, if there was a short roll... If it, if it was shifted, Instead he of him being out. on the inside, he was on the outside to try to prevent that from going around. Yeah. But because it was, he's made, he should really have jumped into the wall. Yeah, but, but he, he didn't. didn't. He sort of stayed and left the gap up. and it went through the actual gap. Yeah. And you can't not watch Liverpool, not watch Luis Suarez and not be just transfixed by this fellow mm. playing, it's, playing the Red for us. It's his, it, he's overly dramatic with everything as well, isn't yeah. he? Like, like, I'm not saying he wasn't oh. hurt and he really did look hurt. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I thought, this is a career ender. Is he out for the rest of the season now with, mm. after this but he, match? He was, he was limping before it. Then he was, like, you can see the holes in the back of his legs yeah. and he's, he's limping across. Next minute, like five minutes later, he's tearing across the pitch to go, to go through. He gets gone... Oh, he's just he's just wonderful to watch. Like, yeah. You can't watch football and not love watching him. Yeah. What I love about him is he, uh, when another player scores, he goes berserk. He loves yeah. it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I suppose what went on the summer, you were worried he wouldn't have the same sort of enthusiasm. But like it's it's there twofold this season. Yeah. It's he unbelievable. Like he's more than ever, yeah, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I suppose from the sublime Luis Suarez to the ridiculous. Of some of the things we did see, um, our set piece defence again, um, us getting killed by a big man, um, Skirtland Agar in particular, suffering um, as usual. Um, what were the big negatives for you, Steve? Um, one of the one of the things actually I picked up on, and I was I was saying it to lots of people, but nobody seemed to be responding to me on on Saturday. I can't understand how um, I can't understand how Suarez stayed on the pitch the length of time that he did, or at least up front on his own the length of time that he did because I think we're talking about that 55-60 minute mark for when Alan his head went and whatever else once he had that injury and came out in the second half we did lose that pressure from the front mm. okay he stopped mm. he was walking he was trying to reserve it because his knee was fucking hurting him uh, mm. he was trying to reserve the whatever energy or whatever he had in the tank to, to make you know positive a, a positive impact on the game if he could but we lost what were what, what were one of our fundamental points is, and that's the pressure from the front, and make sure that we don't. That Everton back four had all the time in the world to walk out with that ball because no one was applying pressure to them, and it killed me that it took the length of time it did for things to be changed. Bringing Victor Moses on was you may as well have brought me on. He was pants, <laughs> um, you know. He he was he was just, and I know I, every week it's like I pick a different player, person to slate. Yeah, but you know what? There. There's a good reason for it because every week I see somebody that's shite and shouldn't be on the pitch. And for me, bringing Moses on instead of Storage, with if if Storage was good enough for 15 minutes, he was good enough for 25 minutes, mm-hmm. and we all know that. So why why bring Moses on there? Why not bring Storage on? You know, I just don't get it. That that, that was a negative for me. Um, the silly stuff like Lucas losing. You know, the, the goals we conceded were were so silly and and schoolboy level. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Um, even our lack of reaction to when Mignolet makes that save for the for the for Lukaku's first goal. That save that Mignolet makes, we don't respond to it. Mignolet has to get back up off the ground and go out and try and chase down one of their players and then get himself positioned. Why aren't we reacting to yeah. that? That's a fucking 35-yard shot or a 30-yard shot yeah. probably that, that, that was taken. Why are we not switched on to that and just putting that out into the, you know, in, in, into the, Bullens, uh, the Bullens Road or the, the, the Bullens, uh, whatever it is, the, the, the name of the stand. Just, the, just, Bullens. Just the, Bullens. the Bullens, yeah, yeah, yeah. But why, why is it not going there, you know what I mean, yeah, instead, yeah. Of, instead of them actually being on the front foot? James, talk to me about your, your impressions of how we got uh, our arse handed to us by Lukaku. 
Well, I, I think first of all, we're talking about the negatives. I think we've missed a couple of positives. Um, which, oh, yeah? Yeah, one, which is that, you know, there was a lot wrong with Gerard's performance, I think. But again, um, he's he's set up at least one goal. And, well, I suppose there's a, there's a flick on uh, from Suarez, I think, for Coutinho's goal, isn't there, the first? Mm. But he set up another goal with one of those deliveries from the right-hand side for the free kick at, uh, for Sturridge. And I think that puts him on four set-piece assists this season, which for this stage of the season is a heck of a lot. You know, his set piece delivery has is, is, is just gone through the roof. Now, there's there's a lot else wrong with Gerald's performance that we can talk about, but you know that 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 alone makes, aside from even the captaincy and who he is, makes a case for just trying to find a way to keep him in the team where we can. Um, and the person who scored from that that set piece was Sturridge. Um, heading is one of a small number of areas where Sturridge can actually make a major improvement. And he said after the Sunderland game when he tried to head a ball in and scored off his arm, that he's been working on it. So that that head. <laughs> Yeah, well, that, that header on on, uh, on Saturday was really impressive from someone who's basically not been that good with his head. But, um, I mean, we got in the agenda, haven't we, that, that Skirtle and Aga got bullied by Lukaku. I don't think the problem was so much that they got bullied because I don't think Everton really kind of got the ball forward in that fashion. Um, I think it's more just the fact that time and again, um, the guy was in space. Uh, the, just He was... I don't know if anybody else noticed this, but you know they're, they're two centre-backs marking one striker. Now, OK, Barkley's a very dangerous player playing just off him, but you've got three central, midf- three, three central midfielders in front as well. So why? Why time and again is, is Lukaku picking the ball up with so much space? I mean, his movement was good, Lukaku, and he's a, he's a very, very good player, but um, they weren't catastrophic either of them, but I just they don't convince me, and I would have liked... In the end, the issue of being bullied wasn't wasn't actually that much of a problem. But I, I was surprised Sacco didn't start. And to be honest, I'd be looking at just I'd like to see what Tori and Sacco do as a partnership myself because Skirt and Aga they they just come up short for me. They just come up short too often for me against you know against better players. Yeah, I think I, th- I think there's a lot of people in agreement there, Phil. Yeah, emphasising James' point around the centre half. So I, I was pulling my fucking hair out. I, was, I said it last week. I said, "What? I wouldn't have started Skirtle because at some stage all he wanted to do was wrestle the player. And on the fourth goal, what's he doing? He's he's fucking wrestling the player instead of trying to just head the ball. The ball comes in. If he ignores your man and with, with, with the size of him, he could have just gone up and head the ball. Instead, he didn't. He wrestles your man, doesn't even get anything on it. Ball drops. And then Gerard is turned off at the back post. He, he, uh, the, the, the most annoying part about that is that he was looking at Morales and then turns off and looks inside and then losing for half a second, which gives Morales as the thing that's bad enough but on every time we play a big strong centre forward last year and we had Skirtle and Agar they got bashed right and they just couldn't handle them it was, it was whether it was Benteke it was um, Lukaku every time we went up against a big striker last year the two boys couldn't handle it so you're thinking to, going into this game Rogers was manager then so we can't turn around and say it was a different manager like Surely he sees it himself. He signed the likes of Sacco and Torre to give us that power and, and to give us that the, the ability in the area that we don't have at this stage. So to not play them in that game baffled me. Um, but Johnson, fuck me, I wanted to punch him in the head. Like he, the chap was asleep for half the game. He he had one of those games where for about he was on morphine. Yeah, uh, uh, do you know what, James? Seriously, uh, uh, I remember last year at one stage, it was like he was walking around with lead in his boots and he couldn't pass the ball five yards. He couldn't, like, uh, he, as much as he got, deserved the praise the previous couple of weeks for the performance he put in, he had one of those performances where he was completely turned off. And, like, you can't, you just wonder at times, do, do the players think that once they get a good run of form and a good few games, that they're just going to turn up? And, like, you, you can't, I, I, I can't think that to be real, but you just wonder what are, what's going through their heads when they walk out, especially in a derby. Like, even, even Gerard's performance, like, Gerard was pony for like 70 minutes of the game. And 
then for the last 20 minutes in fairness to him he, he pulled a finger out of his arse and did something in the last 20 minutes when, when when we did concede the goals he he was the instigator in a lot of the good things that have happened but boy Jesus for 70 minutes and, and I said last week I said the one player that I wouldn't leave out of that team was Stephen Gerrard going into the Merseyside derby because the best version of Stephen Gerrard is generally the one that turns up in the derby he had his worst derby that I can remember gave in, away in a lot time. of ball yeah gave like away the, a lot of ball in the first 25 first, minutes she's the one that he put Lukaku yeah. straight through uh, negative for me I mean like it was incredible the amount of ball that Johnson gave, not just his defence of uh, Billy. We've seen, we've seen how bad he was for, for the goals, um, but with the ball, we've seen such, we've seen such a difference in the Johnson that played against Fulham when he was absolutely exceptional on the ball. He constantly gave uh, the ball away. James, you saying he was on morphine or something? Yeah, I said he played like he was on morphine. Oh, he, he played play. like he was on morphine. Well, he he, yeah, he fucking I, did. He played like he was on gear. Um <laughs> It was it was it was terrible, and I mean, at the start of the game, and obviously they're talking about who's going to pick up Lukaku from set pieces. Not even those one he scores late on. Uh, when the the first goal was conceded, when uh, Barkley or McCarthy's out to head the ball on the ground, basically, and Skirtle's jumping all over him, and Agar has or not Agar, uh, John, uh, Henderson has cement on his ankles, and he he does a kind of a gesture of a jump, and the ball just drops. But if you look behind, there's Lukaku and Johnson's uh, getting attracted to the ball again. Yeah. Totally, totally oblivious to what's going on. And it was the same crack with the with the goal, where Johnson was completely switched off. And Flanagan makes a half effort. The, the, the worst bit of the, about that tour goal, and I watched it again today. Right? Do you know how Lukaku loses Johnson? He doesn't shove him. I think he does this. It's it's like he put put his arm across his, his chest. Didn't push mm. him. I think all he did was put his arm across his chest. And Johnson looks at him. Johnson yeah. actually turns and looks at him instead of instead yeah. of, of fighting back. He just turns and looks yeah. at him. It's like what are you doing? Yeah, you're a big fella. Big Harping on about Gerard there. I think he he was playing with an injury as well. Um, yeah. It was a couple of occasions. It was so unlike Gerard. I remember we had an attack and he kind of the ball kind of got lost under his feet and it was so unlike him. You know, uh, he is. I mean, he lost the ball a lot as well, but he was still uh, the highest completed uh, passer on the pitch on the day. Mm. So he must have done something right. Uh, but I mean, his ball, what he what he can do and what he can offer the team. I mean, his ball that uh, Suarez should have scored from. Suarez just has to hit it either side of the goalkeeper, and it's in the half volley cross. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely unbelievable. That's, a, that's it's an only, incredible. Yeah, pass. there's not too many players in the world that no. can do it. Yeah, no, I, I, I think we were talking about Johnson there, and and I think there was a huge amount of hype, not just from some of our own lads here, but other lads as well, talking about him being an amazing, amazing player. I think his game on Saturday proved why he's he's an above average fullback, but he's not our most intelligent player. He's not an amazing uh, fullback. That's one no. of the best in the league. He's not a good defender. He, he has the ability to be exceptional going forward and as Andy said to me uh, he just doesn't have the right level of awareness and we were talking about fullbacks like Gary Ablett and people like that back in the day that sort of shit would never happen with them it just wouldn't it wouldn't happen can with I just touch on a couple of other negatives there sorry it was uh, I didn't I wasn't all too keen on the performance of Lucas and Allen in the midfield the Joe Allen that we want to see is is a Joe Allen that we seen to the start of the last season when he was he was exceptional on the ball in very very tight spaces and he was able to get a bit of space and move the ball. Like there was no Joe Allen with a football the weekend. It was okay. He got in the way a couple of times and he was he was tactically he was good, but I don't think as a partnership in the middle like the, the possession the, the way Liverpool just couldn't retain possession. And if you look at the completed passes from both players, it was it was very poor. 
Can I say something about this? Um, yeah, go ahead, James. I think it's, it's a really good point about Alan. I think uh, Joe Allen, he's not a pure, he's not a destroyer. Um, as, as he proved on Saturday, he's not, he's not someone who's going to, he's not going to, he's not going not to contribute goals. <laughs> um, he's not really going to be someone who's necessarily going to sort of play other people into score that much. That being the case, you know, I don't care if it's a Merseyside derby and if we're away from home or if we're against a team against like Everton who keep the ball well. He only attempted 25 passes in about 70 minutes on the pitch. Mm, and, yeah. he only, and he gave away six of them, which puts him at 76% pass completion. Now, you can get caught up in, you know, statistics. Obviously, there's a hell of a lot that statistics don't tell you. But by any measure, for a player who's principally there and has been put in there for this game specifically to enable us to keep the ball a bit more, he's just not contributing enough. On, the, on, the, on that, you know, in that respect, he just didn't contribute enough. You know, he wasn't, I don't know whether he wasn't just maybe not shown for the ball as well as he could or not. But I think the bigger, the big, the bigger issue for me, you know, apart from not retaining the ball as well as we perhaps perhaps could at times, particularly when you think, you know, we, we were, as I said, we, we were leading for fifty six minutes of that game in total, and generally when you lead, particularly away from home, as a general rule, team you, you have less of the ball. Um, the bigger issue for me was just what happened when we lost the ball because we're so vulnerable on the counter attack. Um, time and time again, I mean, how many of these saves that Minilay made were just because we would we were appallingly set and just. You know, positioning and, and, and where, the way we were set was dreadful when the ball turned over. Uh, time and time again, that was a problem. And um, it resembled to an extreme degree, like a more extreme form of what we saw in the early months of Roger's tenure last year, where, where when the ball turned over, we were vulnerable straight away. But um, so that was a bit of a concern. Sorry, yeah. James, do you not think that maybe Alan was asked to do a tactical role on, on Saturday? You know, I, I got the feeling that you're talking about how many of those 1v1s were first half compared to second half? You know, the vast majority of the, the saves Mig made were second half saves when Allen had gone off the pitch and it was back to the Lucas Gerard central midfield partnership. We look at even when Gerard lost a lot of his possession, he dropped deep nearly into our own half when he wasn't meant to be there ultimately uh, in the first half, in those first 25 minutes. Now, this isn't me slating Gerard, but what I'm saying is we're talking about Joe Allen having been, you know, sort of a low pass uh, attempt rate and, and not a great pass completion rate, which absolutely are, are valid points. But my well, point yeah, is, in, yeah. yeah, in that combo of him and Lucas, um, I think they did a job. They each did a job that worked quite well, and and we were on top at that point. Steve, I, I just just to cut in there, I, I think that the truth lies somewhere in between. I think Joe Allen was 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 tactic- defensively. He was where he was meant to be in terms of covering space and preventing, say, the quick counter-attack that happened more Stop prevalently in the second half. But I think James' point in terms of his use of the ball, which is what we what we were told we signed him for in terms Absolutely. of what he can do and the whole lot, was poor. But I, as a, my bit was that I just thought I could see in Lucas and Allen a more tactically cohesive partnership in the centre midfield in terms of being able to cover space in the whole yeah. use of the ball wasn't great but you, you could just see you could see something that could possibly work there yeah I'd, I'd like to see Alan giving another shot next week versus Hull well as, as as we're speaking about possible options there what do we make of Jan and Villa in the crowd um, what's, our, what's, our, what's our feeling on that Andy, Andy. what's me feeling on it yeah. um, is he someone you'd like to see added to the team, basically? I don't know much about him, to be honest with you. Uh, I don't know much you can read into him being there as a guest. Like I'm sure his club wouldn't be too happy if they felt he was there on business. Mm. You know, yeah. so I don't know whether we, I don't know whether there's any point in kind of talking about him until we kind of until until January when we can start just talking we, about transfer yeah. gossip. Phil's <laughs> favorite time yeah. of the year. But uh, and I walk away. I mean, like Phil, you've probably watched him. I don't. I don't watch. Like much, much. I, 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 I haven't, I haven't seen him since he, since he left France. Um, 
and yeah, like he's he's a very talented bloke. He had he had personal problems, mental problems. So I think Arsenal looked at him and then pulled away because is he with Danzi at the moment, is it? Or no, is it's Ruben Kazan. Ruben Kazan. Yeah. But um, and 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 he would be theoretically an upgrade on what we have in the midfield at the moment. But I think I I, I don't know. I, I think we're read. I see suddenly there's rumours going around that we've started talks and the whole lot and I think again it's only because he turned up it's like the, the, the Papadopoulos rumours and that he was a done deal mm. yet he's still at Schalke so I, I, I don't know OK well one other quick uh, thing I wanted to speak about as well uh, it's got to be mentioned um, Mr Morales and his challenge um, and how that ties in with Phil Dowd's decision making um, Steve do you have any strong opinions about how uh, the Morales tackle should have been dealt with well yeah listen I think we all know exactly uh, you know two of my best mates are Everton fans and they said exactly the same you know it was a, it was a red all day long but Gerrard's come out today and said from where he saw it he was thinking it was a yellow um, and he said he was pretty much beside where Dowd was at the time. So you know what I mean. From from that point of view, it, it, it depends. We can. It's it's like every challenge. You know what I mean. It's like the Wes Brown one. You know what I mean. Another ridiculous decision, and we won't need to get into that. But I'm just saying, you know, it, it just happens, and there's not much can be done about it. Morales knows it was a bad challenge. Um, you know, what, what I thought was a bigger shame is that Morales, on three different occasions, he elbowed Henderson. He put the challenge in on Suarez, and then later on, he actually attacked Suarez. He went over the top on, on him at the, the sideline. Absolutely, that was that was two yellow cards. There was two yellow cards and three challenges there. He should have went, and for it was the a fucking joke. And and and. and, and in my opinion, that's where Dowd was really let himself down, and yeah. he was getting commended in the papers for keeping eleven players on the pitch. He's not there to keep eleven players on the pitch. He's there to apply the rules. It's, it doesn't matter if he yeah. keeps eleven players on the pitch. Yeah, you're not a good ref because you didn't send anybody off today. Now you don't want to see needless and stupid bookings and red cards either. But but um, you know, for me, I, I thought Dowd's performance was okay, apart from that one incident whereby Morales should have seen red and, and the repetitive foul. I think he kept the game flowing as best he could. I don't think there was any other ridiculous decisions or or, or really poor decisions that he made. So no, the, the the way a ref should be probably out of it most of the game. Fair enough. Um, James, uh, any take on, on Morales or Phil Dowd from you? Yeah, I've got a strong opinion on it. It's the same opinion as everyone else. It was, you know, it was a clear red card, no debate. And I think the, beyond that, I think, and again, you know, he, he's committed two yellow card challenges at least after being booked when he shouldn't have been on the pitch anyway. So, you know, you've got to ask what Dowd's doing there. The, the, um, the other issue here, I think, is the fact that people talked about, you know, there was a bit of talk at the start of the season that they were, they were supposedly changing the rules on on not being able to sort of issue retrospective punishments mm. when you know when a referee has kind of dealt with something that's had a good view of it and sort of say issued a yellow card. Yeah. Well, apparently a qualified referee was telling me earlier that that basically the FA's hands are tied because of doubt. I mean, what does that say about the regulations? So has there, has there been that much change? If that's his understanding of the new regulations, mm. then that's yeah. that's that's incredibly stupid because yeah. that is you know, it's as clear a red card as you'll see. Yeah, it's frustrating as hell. Yeah, it is. Right, let's move on to our preview of the whole match. Um, straightforward, what does our team look like, Phil Casey? Um, I'm hoping that we see Sacco back into the team. I'd like to see I, I'd, I'd like to see the Sacco Agar combination at some stage, um, just to see if it works. And I think against Hull, I, I, well for Hull anyway, they'll go four five one, and uh, they've done the same thing against Chelsea, Tottenham, Everton. All this season, they've set up the exact same way, and they put five across the midfield, and they've looked to sit deep and try play on the counter effectively, and maybe win free kicks up around the edge of the eighteen-yard box and nick something off set pieces, which hasn't worked. So I don't, I, I don't see Steve Bruce changing the way he's going to come. So for me, I'd keep Joe Allen in. I wouldn't play Lucas. Um, I, I, 
these are the games that we need Gerard in there for as well for 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 what he can do, um, and I'd have Suarez and Sturridge back in. Um, do we do Coutinho? I'd like to see Coutinho come back. I I, th- I think we lose so much of him when he's playing out on that left hand side position. I thought he was pretty anonymous after ten minutes on on, on Saturday. Uh, Andy, how do you see this, the team shaping up? Yeah, I think they go back to similar setup as it was against Fulham. So they're four two two. Two, two kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Flanagan, I'd say, will maintain his place. He's done. He's done enough. He's done more than enough to keep a place in that team. Um, it's a really, really huge opportunity now for Flanagan to have a career at Liverpool. Enrique's out till February, probably March, by the time he plays football again. Um, and this is probably his last ch- chance, really, with Liverpool. So, um, I'd like to like to see him maintain his place. Anyway, hopefully, we see. Um, the Johnson that we're more used to you know uh, at the back I'd say he'd probably stick with Agar and uh, Skirtle if he didn't drop Skirtle for the threat of Lukaku he's not going to drop him now uh, James uh, do you see many changes? Well, I think what's interesting is the first for the first time um, this season when it comes to Premier League games there's possibly a question of whether or not you want to rotate because we're playing uh, is it West Ham or Norwich playing in midweek? Yeah we're playing we've Norwich on Tuesday isn't it? Yeah. Right, yeah so we, we've yeah, it must be Wednesday because I think we're we're at, we're at Hull on Sunday, aren't we? That's right. Uh, that's right. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to see Torre and Sapko as centre back myself. Um, I'd just like to see that partnership. Um, so that, I mean, that won't happen. I'd be surprised if it happens. I'd like to see Torre and Sapko. I mean, as to whether you play Flanagan again, I mean, you know, Minnie and Johnson picked themselves, even though Johnson was was dreadful on Saturday. Um, I, I, I mean, I was as impressed with Flanagan as anyone. Um, but I, I wonder. I, in one or other, of the, one or other of the games, because obviously they're quite close together. I, w- I wouldn't mind seeing Agger at left back. I mean, Ag- Agger's frustrating me um, at centre back because I just think too often he just looks like he looks half arsed and like he's not concentrating. So, um, but I wouldn't mind seeing what he could offer at uh, at left back. I mean, that depends on what kind of opponent he's up against. You know, is he up against is you know a whole going to have someone fairly sort of you know quick and you know and good at dribbling up against him because I think you know you put that up against a natural centre-back and you can have bad results. Uh, you know, Flanagan, for example, he's not quick, but he is at least a full-back. Um, yeah, well, look, I'll tell I mean, you... In terms of midfield... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. You would yeah. hope... Alan, yeah, sorry. No, go, go ahead, James. No, I was going to say, in terms of midfield, you know, how do you, um, how do you choose to rotate it? I don't know, because, you know, you'd imagine Alan's going to get some more playing time because, you know, we've, we've got games. Then again, Rodgers isn't much one for rotate. And I think you have to go with Suarez and Sturridge. Um, I certainly want to start Coutinho again as well. Um, so maybe just, you know, maybe you'd rotate it a little bit with the midfielders. I don't know. Maybe, you know, like, like what the lad said, you know, you'd leave probably Lucas out because Jared isn't going to get dropped, is he? No, I don't see that. Let's look at Hull and the threats that they might pose to us. Um, Phil, you've been doing some homework. Yeah, did a wee bit of homework on Hull and uh, Big Fat Heads team and uh, trying to figure out what, what, what they have and what they don't have. To be honest with you, when you look at the team and you look at the names that are involved in the team, it's like a, it's a rogues gallery. Paul McShite's in there and you've got... Uh, Definitely going to score. <laughs> I know. <laughs> As you, know you lot said that about Jelovic this year. <laughs> <laughs> um, they have your man Liam Rosinha in there and then you're looking at... Um, What's your man? Danny Liver- Liver- Livermore and Huddleston, um, Huddleston in yeah. the centre midfield. And I'm looking at that, I'm thinking back to Fulham again, and they're both, that's the same level of mobility that Sidwell and Parker had in the centre midfield. The, the one thing I'll say is they do have a lot of width. They're using Robbie Brady down one side and they're doing El Mohamedy down the other side. And then they have this guy called Sagpo who's played who's come in a lot for instead of Danny Graham that's played up there. Mm. And they may look to go long to him and try to get wide and get in behind their fullbacks, exploiting the fact that their fullbacks will be pushed well on. 
one. Um, but to be honest with you, and all due respect, because Hull have done really well. And, and in fairness to Bruce, when he's torn up at Anfield, he's rarely, rarely fucking come away without a point or something like that. Especially under Rafa, he couldn't beat him at all. Um, We're um, away. We're away, are we? Yeah, it's not. A, it's not in Anfield. All right then, grand. I'll just edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> so at least when we're away, like they'll be forced to come out. They'll be forced to come out against us, and uh, you know they'll have to take the games. So, so in reality, look, I can't. We shouldn't be worrying about. I, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not worried about. Like we're, we're actually coming off that game in my mind with a lot of mental strength because we could have lost the game at 3-2 we've seen our heads go other times but we fucking dug deep and we got a point out of mm. it whether you like it or not and we should have won it then after, such after a change we, after in mentality yeah. from last yeah. season and it's, like that, it's, 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 it's points it's picking up points where you, where you lost points before suddenly mm-hmm. make a difference it's the season. difference between making top 4 and not making top 4 yeah, so I feel it, I think holds threats I, I'd, I'd rather think that air threats will be more overconfidence and potentially silly mistakes as opposed to what Hull can pose as a real threat to us in this game so you're saying we're more of a threat to ourselves yeah. J- James um, is there anyone in particular you'd be worried about in the whole lineup? Um, Paul McShane now that, uh, now that Phil's absolutely yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shit there about McShane. to anyone who's not seen it there's a wonderful wonderful 10 minute compilation of, of Paul McShane's you know <laughs> Bits on YouTube. <laughs> Paul McShane's uh, bits, brilliant. You, 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 you will be scratching your head at how somebody just that, you know, <laughs> he, 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 he moves at a absolutely funereal pace, and you're just wondering how the hell did that guy become a professional footballer? It's oh, brilliant, but anyway, no, you know, go to the point. Um, no, I mean, there doesn't look to be an abundance of quality there, and the one player who's maybe got a bit of class about him that you would look at is, is Tom Huddleston, and you know, one thing Huddleston at least isn't, which is a problem for us in the middle of the pitch, is particularly mobile. So, you know, just just get Anderson to run after him or something. Yeah, I, I, I have to agree with you, though. I think he is, in fairness to the kid, he is a, a classy footballer. Um, yeah, I heard yeah. the lads talking about his mobility, but he is, he, got, but he is got, a good footballer. He's got the mobility and the, you know, the appearance of Alison Hammond from Big Brother. <laughs> <laughs> that's a shout, that's a shout, Dan. It's uncanny, but no. Yeah. Uh, I, think, what I do think as well, I mean, I, I, I echo what Phil said about Steve Bruce. I, I, don't, I think, you know, he's, he's a maligned figure because, he, you know, he's got a head like a sort of a, a Desiree potato with a sort of a bad pig on it. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm ad-libbing here these, these weren't pre-written I'm just no, no, this, this is gold mate this is gold yeah um, Hull were actually unbeaten prior to Saturday I mean they're not playing anyone decent and they just got beat by Palace so they can't be that great but I don't think they are I don't think they're your typical relegation fodder I think there's not a lot of quality there but you know Steve Bruce as I said he's a bit of a maligned figure but I think he does know what he's doing you know we can't take him too lightly because, you know, I, the point I always make with Steve Bruce is, you know, Roberto Martinez is really highly rated. You know, Martin O'Neill by some people, lesser than he was, but still is quite highly rated. Yeah. Those two succeeded him at Wigan and at Sutherland, and they both did worse in the league than, <laughs> than Steve Bruce did there. Yeah. Um, but, no, I mean, there there's, there's, doesn't stand out as being a lot of quality there. No, I mean, saying that now, I'll probably go and concede loads of stupid goals and set pieces again, but... Um, no, it's not a team that sort of screams individual threats. Well, I'm I'm deeply uncomfortable with how um, positive we're being about Steve Bruce and his big fat head. So can we move on to make some predictions? Uh, I'll keep you on the line there, James. Who, who, how do you see it going? Well, I mean, having said all of that, uh, and again, you know, sort of pride comes before pride comes before the fall. I thought I thought I'd got that old sort of biblical thing the wrong way around then, but I think I've no, I think yeah, I, th- I think you've aced it there, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think basically, Hull are the sort of team we we expect to turn over now, or that we you know we we we're, we become good at you know beating that level of team, and 
we ought to. <laughs> so, I mean, I'll, I'll say, we'll probably concede a stupid goal at a set piece. I'll say Hull City Tigers 1, Liverpool 3. Hull City oh. Lovely, lovely. Uh, Steve Daly. Yeah, I think um, similar to James there, I was actually pissed off at the weekend. I thought I was going to nail my prediction when I claimed 3-1 and sending off. When Morales nearly went, I thought, here we go. And then Joe Allen came in as well. But this week, I think another Fulham's on the cards. I think we can go there. I think we can dominate. Um, I think yet again there is that lack of mobility in the in the middle of their park. And listen, I'm I'm basing my prediction on what I'd like to see us line up like. I think if we lined up that way and had that level of of mobility in our centre of the field, we we'd easily beat them. I think I think we'll beat them by three goals. That's that's my feeling on it. Lovely positive, Andy. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, like I know we've we've been find it easier to beat uh, the lower teams now but uh, Hull aren't a bad side at all and they've picked up some good results along the way this season so far uh, but I'm not going to be down the dumps about it I'm just, I'm just afraid of a bit of a hangover after such an intense game in the derby uh, but I'm, I'll be confident enough to say that we should brush them aside handy enough um, possibly 2-3 two, two, nil Okay, yeah. lovely. Um, I'm going to go back to being a gloomy bastard. I think this might be a, a bit of a banana skin for us. So I'm not awfully positive, Phil. How are you feeling? Well, well we learned a lesson last week, so I'm saying 4 0 to Hull. Thank Christ for that. <laughs> Thank Christ for that. Um, <coughs> let's uh, delve into our listeners' questions and uh, get a little bit of feedback from the people who do listen to us. Our first question today is from Marco Lopez. He's at Footy Mark Hall on Twitter, and he asks. You're appointed manager of Man United Football Club, but you're a double agent for Liverpool. How do you sabotage the enemy? James, I'm going to offer this one up to you. Uh, Sign Andy Carroll, Stuart Downing and Charlie Adams. (laughs) (laughs) That's just crazy talk. (laughs) Who'd do that? That's brilliant. How much much would you spend on those three? (laughs) Oh, about 63 million, probably. You give me some give or take, James. Give or take. That's lovely. Right, let's move on to our next oh, one. Would you win the Carling Cup? And uh, there'd be a few days out, probably. Yeah, <laughs> uh, a few days out. Okay. Next question is from Carl Fitzgerald. He's at CG Fitzgerald, and he asks. Have you ever left or switched off a Reds match before the end? Now, I'm actually going to take this because every time I go to a match, I find myself absolutely fucking murderous, looking at numb nuts, getting out of their seats and leaving before the game is over. I detest it. I hate it. What are you doing, you idiot? Where are you going? You're at a football match. Has anyone else got... I'm going to the pub. Why are they going to... Because they want a good seat. And I'm not even messing but about you, that. You understand where I'm coming from. It's absolutely, absolutely disgusting. I've, I've, for years, um, I, I went to the Derby in Goodison every year because, as I was saying earlier, two of my mates. You're an Everton fan. fan. Yeah, I'm a secret blue. Yeah, yeah. No, but two of my two of my mates are Everton fans, so it made sense and it was easier to get tickets for the Goodison games. And every year, you would see a horde of people. Ten, five, at least at max, or sorry, it would, the, the most it would get to would be 85 minutes, and there'd be 10, 15% of the ground gone. And I used to ask the lads, and the thing was, they were going to the pub. And listen, it's all well and good, I suppose, in a sense for us. We are the day trippers. We go there, we've made an effort to go over. Maybe, maybe, listen, if I was going every week, there's possibly a chance that at five minutes to go before the end of that Southampton match, I'd have got up and fucked off. You know know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It has to be in the situation. I've I've often seen our fellow uh, uh, day trippers amongst the guilty parties leaving, to be honest. Anyway, um, next questions from this for you, Phil, is from uh, Damien Flood at Damien Flood32, and he asks, Who's going to win? I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. <laughs> um, 
Kerry Katona, I don't know. Who the fuck Joey Essex. I yeah. haven't watched a single minute of it, but oh. all you can hear about people talking about is Joey Essex, so he has to have the public vote. Your man, Will Smith, heal with it. Yeah. Brilliant. That's, 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 that's wonderful. Is Tussock not on the t-shirt? Tussock dead voice? Okay, well, come on. Uh, do you know what? Just because you kind of you gave that to White Bird and come straight back to you, because this is actually aimed at you anyway. I know, yeah. uh, This is from Jerry Kane at, at Meath Pool League, and he says, how soon can we ship out Joe Allen, Phil? We could theoretically ship him out in January or in the summer if Brendan Rodgers has lost faith in him. And he's been fairly ruthless when it's come to players that he's lost faith in. Think of Yuri Sahin and think about um, also the likes of Ali Sissoko getting dumped. So to be honest with you, Trev, he, he, he could be gone as, as soon as the summer if, if, if he's seen as, as not providing what actually that Brendan Rodgers needs and he is one thing about Rodgers is he's been fairly ruthless when it's come to transfers like look where's Barini at the moment he's right. sitting on the bench at Sunderland yeah. okay uh, next one up um, Andy we'll go to you with this one this is from Moly at Moly BTK on Twitter he says as Irish Reds which win means most to you um, the win against Everton or a win against United uh, that's an easy one I suppose as, as being from Dublin like you know you've got so many United fans not hanging around so it has to be United uh, I I never really had the hatred for everything. I mean, when I really fell in love with Liverpool when I went over uh, as a kid and watched a game, like I thought the people over there were brilliant. Um, and I think some of the banter, like the Everton fans, come across with the, the Liverpool fans is quite funny sometimes. Um, I mean, they get they they have lots of practice at it because it's it's all they really have is the banter and the slagging. Uh, they don't have the trophies or anything like that, so they get they've got really good at the banter. So. I don't have the hatred for everything. They give me a laugh. Uh, <laughs> they give you a laugh. Yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> okay, so you're 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 saying. I think there's an element of the fact that while most of us have been Liverpool fans as well, they've never really been a threat. Whereas United have been dominating it. So yeah. that, there has to be an element yeah. of that in it. As well. Every time we have these conversations, I always feel like such an old bastard because I remember the air threat. But anyway, uh, right next you are one. An old bastard. I am an old bastard. Next one, <laughs> James. I'm going to come back to you. This is really, really short and sweet. Uh, so sausage roll. Uh, asks on the red or steak and kidney pie uh, I'm a vegetarian so so that worked so out no, well James you don't make friends with salad mate you don't make friends with salad <laughs> James you didn't know that I stitched them up with that one <laughs> I did not see that coming chief but listen listen just come on give me a theoretical answer here it may be something to throw I don't know what are you thinking Okay, like, um, say, it's a, say it's a corn sausage roll. Yeah, there you go, corn sausage roll. <laughs> yeah, probably sausage roll, yeah. I just go and things for pizza, though. That's another plug for him. Okay, right, no, so. <laughs> All right, Casey, uh, absolute stitch up, Martin. This is from uh, Grey Not David at Red Forever 71. He says, if you could only eat one of the following things for the rest of your life, which would you choose, chocolate, cheese, or apples? Who are you asking? I'm asking you, Phil. Chocolate. Yeah, it has um, to be chocolate. Your in-depth reasons for that? Because it's tastier than the other two. <laughs> like fucking cheese or apples? Come on, man, chocolate. I like apples. Steve-O. I, I, like I like apples. <laughs> Jesus. I love lamb. <laughs> Steve-O, another, like like another one from Demo Flood for you, Steve. Uh, he says, uh, on a scale of zero to oh, sweet lantern, Jesus, how uh, or where does Alan's miss rank? 
Um, yeah, listen, we, we know there was people talking about it being up there with Rosenthal's miss. It wasn't anywhere close to that. Um, he still had a keeper to beat, albeit him having probably sent him the wrong way as well. <laughs> but it wasn't an open goal, but it was very, very poor. You know, um, I'll be honest with you, it, it was wasn't. Very well, what I'm saying is it wasn't like he ran into 40 yards of space one-on-one with the keeper. It was a bit of a tussle where it banged off a knee and whatever else, and it, it basically broke to him. One, he didn't get a lot of time to think about it. But if he's going to bottle it, why doesn't he bottle it properly and just side foot it to Luis? Why doesn't he do what I'd like to do and just smash it over the bar from about three yards out? You actually nearly have to flick it up and kick it over the bar. I do it that well. But, you know, yeah, yeah, honestly, you know, in that sense, yeah, it was a terrible miss. And it, it, it's, a, it's a killer miss because it changes the game. And mm-hmm. it would have been the three points, them dead and buried, and, and us really on a fucking march at that point two, hind- two points behind Arsenal and clear of everybody else yep. mm-hmm. um, and that's 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 what the thing that will irk us most is because it, it, it lets them back into the game yeah absolutely okay um, producer boy here is put, throwing his weight around as usual he wants this question from Vincent at Vincent Leggett who asks this is quite involved so bear with me Say you're a student at a party, but they've run out of mixers, which it's happened to us all. You drink vodka, but you can't take it neat. So, do you mix it with A, tap water, B, milk, or C, mouthwash? I have experience of mouthwash and <laughs> and gin when we were over at the Liverpool Real Madrid match in Madrid. And uh, it's actually quite nice. Seriously. I've experienced that as well, believe it or not. <laughs> It's not nice. I remember uh, trying to stroke a bit of gargle from yeah, my man that uh, drink parlor and uh, there was the only bottle in the house was just to empty out the mouthwash and I just kind of gave it a rinse and fucked the gin into <laughs> What kind of mouthwash was it? We had green Listerine. Yeah, mine was green as well. Oh, it was nice. No, it we, was a greeny blue, though. No, this, was, this is the greeny, greeny one. Green, green, yeah. You've probably yeah. gone for, yeah. you know, mint fresh or something. But mm-hmm. I think we've uh, Rafa Benitez on the line there. I know uh, Luis Suarez <laughs> was, uh, would have been a player that you would have liked to see at Liverpool when you were there. What did you think of the free kick, Rafa? Yeah, I think it's a really good goal, no? You know, when you talk about Suarez, you're talking about a who can score every kind of goal, no? He's... Uh, Scoring from in the box, he's scoring with the left foot, the right foot. He's uh, scoring with the free kicks. He's can he can score in the air. He's a uh, a player who will work really hard. So he's he is a really good player. Uh, Rafa, Rafa, could you could you give us your opinion on Steve Bruce's big fat head, perhaps? Yeah, I think you can see it's, it's really big. It's very, <laughs> and uh, it looks like a big uh, potato. No, so you have it. <laughs> It's like he's put a really cheap wig on top. So, uh, yeah, it's really not good. Rafa, what's your take on uh, Mignolet? Is, is he better than Reina or is Reina the better goalkeeper at this stage? Yeah, he has come in. He has been doing really well. He has been saving some goals. Um, I think you can see he can improve his feet. Uh, Reina is really good with this. No? He's really good with, with the ball. He can throw the ball. He has really good passing the ball. Um Immediately can improve with this, but I think he's doing well. And uh, just, just finally, Rafa, um, I'm just wondering how excited you were to uh, to finally meet me a few months ago in the uh, in, in, in the uh, the Audi Club over in the uh, Grand Canal Theatre. Yeah, it was uh, it was good. No, you remember? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a special a special night, Rafa. A special uh, night. A special night. <laughs> We, we shared an embrace that night, Rafa. We shared an embrace. James, that's brilliant, man. Thanks a lot. That's nice. That's, that's a nice way to end this. 
Right, okay. Um, let's give a big thanks to the Astro Park Tala for allowing us the space to record tonight's podcast. Another home for us and our itinerant ways. This is a well-known <laughs> top spot for all your five-a-side needs every weekend. So get on their website. It's www.astropark.ie and you can get as many details as you need there. Big thanks to James Owens for coming on again. He's followable at underscore 11 in the Twitterverse. Remember to rate and review the pod on iTunes. Spread the word of the day trippers far and wide, please. World domination is our goal, and we're unabashedly serious about this. Your day trippers tonight were Brian Kerr, James Owens, Phil Casey, Andy Young, Steve Daly, and myself, Trev Downey. We'll see you next week. Time to fire up the grill. Time to go to Total Wine and find the perfect flavor to pair with those burgers. Ooh, I love their beer cooler. (laughs) You love their prices even more. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. All this week on NBC4, new products to new technology. Susan Hogan is showing you how local restaurants are changing the way we dine in and take out in this new world. Tonight at 6. A new twist on outdoor eating. A lot of it is creating flexibility. How one local restaurant is making their outdoor space mobile, giving you plenty of sunshine and social distance for a stress-free meal. It's all part of restaurant revitalization. Tonight at 6 on NBC4, working for you. Sports Social Podcast Network.